Welcome to Evolve to Succeed, the podcast that brings together entrepreneurs, founders, business leaders, and experts to talk about their journeys and explore the link between personal and business success. I'm your host, Juan Munson, founder of Evolve, a coaching, training, and development company focused on enabling business and personal success and creating a community of like-minded individuals. Whether that be through our peer groups, one-to-one coaching, our training and development programs for you and your teams, or through our content and events, our mission is to get the best out of each individual and inspire them to be better both in life and in business. If you want to learn more about Evolve, including our beautiful co-working space in Ashley Cross in Paul, then please go to evolvemembers.com where you'll find great content, insights, details of all of our services and also information on our forthcoming events. For now though, let's get on with the show. This week we hear from Jan Cavell, a former business owner and now author, writer and speaker about all things entrepreneurial. Jan has had an incredible journey which saw her start her very first business while living on social support as a single mother of two children aged five and eight, through to founding a highly successful furniture business and being chosen as one of just 50 of the first female entrepreneur ambassadors to represent the UK in Europe. Jan is entirely self-taught and her passion for entrepreneurship has now been focused into a desire to educate and help others on their own business journeys. Her book Scale for Success features her own insights as well as those of over 30 entrepreneurs whom she interviewed about their experiences and their own individual journeys. Amongst other things in this episode, Jan and I talk about the difficulties of finding renewed purpose after selling your business how she transitioned from a sales to a manufacturing business, overcoming imposter syndrome, and the five traits she thinks are essential for entrepreneurial success. I really hope you enjoy the episode. Welcome, Jan, to the Evolve to Succeed podcast. Warren, thank you very much for having me on the podcast. It's great to be here. Yeah, and I'm really looking forward to our conversations, a wide and varied conversation. We've got lots of interesting topics I want to talk to you about. But I suppose for our listeners, let's just start off, Jan, give our listeners a sort of short insight into your personal story and your personal journey, please. Sure. My personal story is um, one of being accidentally an entrepreneur, really, in that I had to put on and build a decent sized business when my children were small and I was a single mom. And I did that for many years. And uh, since when, since I've retired, uh, which is a misnomer, but anyway, we'll dodge over that one. Uh, yeah. since, since I no longer have a business, I uh, write actually full time or most of the time and do some speaking and bits and pieces as well. Interesting. Brilliant. And one of the things you said, though, is quite interesting, isn't it, is about how people become an entrepreneur or business owner. And you described yourself as an accidental entrepreneur, which is really quite interesting. And do you think that's a place a lot of business owners find themselves? It, yeah, it is interesting. I think for one reason, there are many reasons that people start businesses. And I think certainly quite a few in my situation of single parent Hood. Um, it started without any intent, but because it combines with that situation, you know, it, it gives you that flexibility of trying to match 
uh, parenthood with with starting a business, which which doesn't seem feasible that you're going out to work for somebody else. So I think that's one of the reasons I find that people start businesses quite often. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, there can be lots of accidents along the way in life, you know, so yeah. entrepreneurship is no doubt just one of them. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And I was I was looking at your, I did a little bit of research and looking at your background and looking at your website, you know, that talks about, you know, the blogs and the books that you now write and how you help other business owners and entrepreneurs. And um, and it explains why you champion entrepreneurship. And I, I think it's got a lovely phrase on there, Jan. It says, entrepreneurship done right can bring personal freedom. Yeah, I mean, I, it's interesting, isn't it? I think, um, yeah, oddly enough, I put an article on LinkedIn about this this morning um, from my Medium blog. And I think it's a, it can be often a misconception that people start businesses for the wrong reasons. And one of them is mm. freedom. And they start businesses believing that uh, if they get a huge, build a huge business, which is clearly going to be no problem at all, they're going to be free <laughs> as anything and have all the time in the world. And I think that's one of the sad misconceptions. For mm, absolutely. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, either it can either bring it two ways. I think if if you just keep small and have that sort of lifestyle, if that's what you want, you get a fair amount of freedom. <clears throat> or if you pick it build it and do it hard for a number of years and then get out with the profits then you know you get a different sort of freedom so it can do yeah i think the problem is isn't it and as you know in, in part during my whole own journey at times I would, I would say i've got stuck between the two and i think there's a lot of people get stuck between the two lot. of running yeah. as a lifestyle and running it as this business for growth, for future exit, for wealth creation, and, you know, and to have the freedom, but somewhere in between on that scale, you know, I, it can be, I mean, I describe it in my book and, and quite often when I speak on it as the valley of despair that you just end up with neither of those Absolutely. aspects. Yeah, you're so right. And I mean, I was there and I know so many other entrepreneurs who've been there. So, you yeah. know, I think it's, I think almost the biggest group of entrepreneurs are in the Valley of Despair, actually, which is, which is sad. Yeah, because yeah, it, it just doesn't suit their purpose and what they set out to achieve. So when you, do you mind sharing when you found yourself in that place? No, not at all. Um, I mean, I, find, I, I think, um, you know, as I say, I started off pushed on because for children, that was very easy because, you know, I was doing it for my kids and nobody was going to stop me. Um, yeah. So, you know, it was go, go, go. And the fact I didn't know anything or there might be the odd problem with a lack of money or, you know, all the, all the problems that crop up, lack of, lack of, lack of business actually didn't on the whole hit us, but lack of everything else. But nothing was going to stop me because it was providing the children with a future. Then, um, I mean, I think as they left home gradually, well, my, my son came and worked for me for a while, for about five years, actually, it's so quite a long while. But I think, um, you know, that was one of the issues that because he settled with the business, everybody assumed it was a family business. Uh, and not, neither of us actually wanted that. He got the kick out of it being a high growth business. Mm. and. You know, I sort of plodding along local family, what well, we weren't terribly local, but family business wasn't the sort of whole vibe of what we wanted to do. So I think that didn't help. And then it made him very unhappy because he joined too early. 
So in the end, I had to put my mum hat on and say, you know, come on, out you go. And uh, which was a shock to both of us. Um, but uh, <laughs> <I can> imagine. <laughs> It, that seriously was. Um, it was very un, unpremeditated. Um, but uh, but no, I think, you know, once that had happened, you know, it was, I mean, I'd been doing it for what, 15 years at that point, 14 years, something like that. So it was obviously the sensible thing to go on doing it. I mean, mm. anybody could have told you that, wasn't it? But no, actually it wasn't. Um, you know, I, I think I told myself it was. I told myself it was going to provide for my retirement. I told myself I would build it up and sell it. And it was just, that was the thing I'd loved. I'd put everything into it. And that would last about a week at a time. And then I'd think, you know, I don't want to do this. This is miserable. And you'd clamp down those thoughts and think, you know, but but I've got oh. you, honestly. This has been my life. This is everything yeah. I've dedicated myself to. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. And that chewing and throwing went on for, for a number of years. I mean, I got several offers for the business. I also went back and thought maybe it's, you know, it's time I learned something about how to do it, um, not having ever done it. And yeah. so I went on a lot of courses and thought, you know, that's, maybe going to make all the difference and and in some ways i mean it made a big difference to me because it was the first time i'd ever really had time and ability to meet other entrepreneurs and that was a big turning point for me because i did mm. think oh wow you know this is somewhere that i belong you know it's not me tucked away or on my own i actually have found a bit of a tribe here um but but apart from that and um, apart from learning a lot it, I still had this seesaw thing and it just got more and more miserable. And I believe the more I learned, the more I realized that a lot of the foundations weren't right with the business. And, you know, in some ways that's unnerving because you think, hmm. where do you go from here? You know, do you unpick the whole lot and nearly start again? To you know, to to build it up to to scale, maybe to yeah. ten million or, or whatever. You know, do you, do you take it right back? I, mean, I was thinking, you know, blimey, I don't. You know, after all these years, to I yeah. can't face doing that. Can I repair it? Can I? You know, so you'd go on a hunt for a year of trying to stick the glue together. But essentially, I, I do believe that you have to have foundations right, actually. Um, and what foundation was wrong in your case, do you think? I think uh, what foundations were wrong, I think, um, where do we start? I think most of all, I didn't have, I probably, I passed the stage where I should have got investment and got a really high quality management team. In. Okay. You know, it got too big for me on my own and line managers. Yeah. It, it, it needed developing. And, and I kept on thinking I'm doing the right thing. I think this is a very common fault with business people. We overpromote people who've been loyal to us mm. um, when they're not actually capable of coping when the business gets to a certain size. And I think that's it, isn't it? And I, th I think I've seen that on my own journey and you see it in others is that you you start with this kind of like-minded individuals working for you, supporting to you. You've all got that kind of purpose and that sense of belief. And then... But, you know, business isn't linear, is it? And all of a sudden, the business has made a leap and the skill set you need got in the business has to grow with it. And occasionally you find those great people that can move with it. But sometimes the tough decision is that you've got to leave 
some people behind or find different roles for them and bring in the talent that's needed to survive, thrive in that new scale. Absolutely. Absolutely. And to do that, I would have needed to, as I say, to get investment and to bring in really top class people. And it never really occurred to me. That was, uh, I mean, at that stage, it was outside my sort of knowledge as to how to do that. Of course, the moment people looked at it as a business for investment, that's exactly what they were going to do. And you talk about self-development now, and and do you wish you'd done the self-development earlier, if there was something you could have done differently in the early part of your journey? I think there are pros and cons. I think, would I have had the nerve to do any of it if I'd known what I know now? Mm. But, you know, there is an element of comfort in ignorance. Um, ignorance. So, so, you know, um, there was that. But, I mean, I certainly... I think most of all, I'd have loved to have stopped earlier and had another crack at doing it right. But okay, by, that's a good that reflection. Point. Yeah, go on. <laughs> yeah, but that is a really good reflection, isn't it? And and it's difficult, isn't it? Because when most people start their business and they go on that entrepreneurial journey, they're doing it because of circumstance or purpose or belief, and it's usually that fire in their belly that I can do this sense of belief that gets them going but there must there is a point where some further education some further development being around like-minded people makes a huge difference and it's about where in that journey should that kick in really I suppose I think that's right and I think because I'd come from a, a completely ignorant sort of mindset I mean I I always worked myself but you know I hadn't ever learned about building a business as such and um you know, so I was very, very typically imposter syndrome about the whole thing. You know, even when we started to do well, well, probably more when we started to do well, the moment I got talking to other entrepreneurs or business coaches or whatever, I would be fairly defensive because, you know, I'd imagine they'd come in and tell me I was no good. Um, <laughs> you know, um, so, so that stayed with me for a long time. And I think... It was such a revelation to go out and learn. I absolutely mm. loved it. Uh, and, you know, uh, why that was at that point of time, I don't know. Maybe I always would have done. Yeah. Or whether, whether I'd grown up enough. <laughs> Reach much that point in life for maturity. <laughs> don't tell me that, Jan, please. <laughs> um, I suppose you should all come back to, you know, what was it truly like? running a business and I it gave you purpose but being a new single mum you know and then developing the business with children how did that how did that feel and how did you make that work because there's a lot of people both mums and dads that are running a business and you know in particular mums but mums and dads that are running a business and they've got young children and they know that's why they're doing it but how do they really make it work and still be a great parent I'm not sure I've achieved that. Um, <laughs> okay, well, any reflections then? <laughs> yes, let's skip right A parent. <laughs> I, I timed the expansion, I think, in, in line with my children's growth. I okay. think, I mean, I don't think I would have been able to start whizzing around and running a couple of factories and things when they were... Um, the age when I started, which was, what, sort of um, eight and five, 
Mm. Um, you know, that was too young. And I was working at home at that stage, simply selling and buying in. You know, so so that worked quite well. I mean, I'm a huge fan of sales, which I know is unfashionable these days, but it's such a useful skill. And, you know, just because I was up against it to be able to get on the phone and build some sort of an income and a business buying in um, was, was a lifesaver. So so it went from there and, and it grew as on the manufacturing side simply because I couldn't find the stuff to sell, uh, that I was selling. So as a secondary source almost, um, but, but it evolved very much in line with the children's growth. I mean, in those early days, I wasn't too bothered about huge income. I was just terribly grateful for an income. So, so you know, and, and quality time with the children because, you know, at eight and five, they needed me around quite a lot of time. You know, whereas by the time they got to um, senior school, you know, they really didn't want mum around much. Uh, you know, and had their own things. The taxi service, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But, you know, <laughs> um, you know, so there was much, much more time for me to think, you know, this is a business, I, I, you know, this, this is the right moment to grow it. Okay. And we should probably tell the listeners a little bit about what was the business that you had? What did it supply? I had a furniture manufacturing business. Well, it became a manufacturing business. It started, as I say, as a pure selling, selling in important selling and that's an interesting dynamic i'm going to go off on a little tangent here i think that that's an interesting dynamic in itself isn't it going from being a sales business effectively finding product and marketing and selling Mm. it and making your margin to actually starting a manufacturing business which is a completely different discipline it was it wasn't i mean that if you ask me if i knew knew then what I know now, I would not touch manufacturing. Goodness, it's a tough gig. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a real pig and a half of a gig, and, and particularly, I think, in this country, sadly. I don't know what will happen to manufacturing in this country. Um, yeah. Well, it'd be interesting to see with everything that's going on, you know, and we're starting to see it with some of you know, manufacturing is coming back to the UK, but you do need a skill set, don't you? You do need that fundamental people that understand manufacturing. And have we got enough of those people in the UK? Dubious. I mean, there's so much skill shortages, you say. I mean, that was one of the things I was up against because, uh, you know, to give you give you all some sort of background, um, you know, from the time I went into business was sort of the start of the TV changing rooms and all of that. Yeah. Uh, you know, Lawrence Llewellyn Bowen and what yeah. else. Um, so, uh, you know, it was also the birth of Ikea and the whole start of, you know, not going out and, and either inheriting mum and dad's dining table or, you know, but going to the high mm. street and buying your, your repro one. And all that died, you know, really, really quickly in a matter of years, killed by changing rooms and Ikea between mm. them, really. And the East End was absolutely awash with furniture makers, um, British ones at that point in time, all doing massive, massive quantities of repro furniture. And the whole lot died, you know, in a matter of only a few years. And yeah. so you've got the entire scale set um, going redundant. The older people took early retirement, younger people retrained. So it killed off most of the British furniture mm. skills. Crumbs. Scary, isn't it? How those things can happen. Yeah so quickly aren't they yeah and i hope you don't mind me asking this but if i had your children on the podcast now how do, how would they answer when i said how would they feel about 
the journey they've been on with you? Um, I think they would probably both say that they had learned a lot. You know, I think it's it's a funny thing when you know when they're small and you've got kids in that situation, it's normal. You know, whatever we have, I think, up to about the age of 10, in the way of a background, good or bad, or, or a mixture of both, we normalise. You yeah. know, so the it's fact life, isn't it? That's was, what we're used to, yeah. Absolutely. So the fact mum was saying, you know, shut up for now and I'll take you to park later and give you a treat, you know, yeah. because mummy's working, you know, was absolutely fine for them. Um, you know, so I think up to that sort of age, it was fine. I think... It probably became a bigger battle later on. Um, but on the other hand, you know, my daughter runs her own business. My son, albeit works for a, a large corporation, but it's in Australia and he has a huge area of his own, which he runs and may deliberately look for entrepreneurial people to do so. Yeah. But, I mean, it, it, you know, it, it clearly equipped him with some skill along the way. Yeah, definitely. They think of me. Yeah. And... You've also sort of won awards, you've been ambassadors, you talk about the benefit you have from being a part of a tribe, you know, in, of being around like-minded individuals. You know, how would you reflect now on what you do now and how you give back and how you share your journey? And, and where did that come from? Was there just a desire? Was it about keeping yourself busy? You know, how did helping others on their journey come about, Jan? I think, I think originally a friend of mine who's, who's much more successful than me entrepreneurially but, or, than I ever was, but she was um, putting together some suggestions for a, a scheme that was being proposed by Margaret Hodge, goodness knows how long ago, for the government, hmm. uh, which was putting together a shortlist of 50 um, entrepreneurial women to work in Europe with other countries and promote entrepreneurship at, at home and abroad. And I got on that list, um, you know, by, by, by way of introduction, I had to be interviewed and everything. And so that was an interesting experience because, you know, we did work with other countries and mm. go to the European Parliament and all sorts of things, which I would never have done otherwise. So mm. so quite, uh, quite, quite interesting. But also, you know, you wanted to do your bit. And so I started, um, you know, promoting enterprise to schools, to local groups, um, universities, and, you know, generally wherever we could. There was there was a very much less awareness at that point that you could be an entrepreneur, mm. you know, because there was much less TV. I mean, I think The Apprentice probably... Uh, did exist even Dragon's Den, but it was very, still very sort of remote in comparison to the mainstream they are now. So, so you know, it, it became something I did, I guess. Okay. One does. And it just evolved and it just <laughs> yeah. developed from there, kind of thing, part yeah. of life's journey. That's interesting when you talk about Dragon's Den and, and The Apprentice and all of that. And I, I'm just intrigued because you know, listening to you now and, and having read a bit about you and that, I think you've gone on a journey for, from a sense of purpose and it was about creating security and a life. But then you look at The Apprentice and you look at less so Dragon's Den, maybe, see, but the, but you also look at social media these days and there's this kind of hustle culture, isn't there? 
everybody can succeed, everybody can be rich, everybody can make money, this is going to be easy. And this younger generation coming into the world of business and running their own businesses and entrepreneurship have got this perhaps false pretense of what it's going to be like. How do you think we can overcome that? And how do you feel about that kind of hustle culture? Well, I think it's a bit, you know, what we were saying in the beginning, um, you know, we were touching on this, I think, and, you know, the misconceptions that surround entrepreneurship Mm. with freedom, you know, it's the same principle. I'm going to start a business, I'm going to be free and rake in huge amounts of money. It's a celebrity culture too, you know, which is, Mm. is very dangerous, I think, Um, and it appeals. Unfortunately, I think it slightly appeals to to a similar profile to an entrepreneur because, yeah. of course, we're risk takers, um, you know, and we want the challenge. We want to, or we want we thrive on the challenge. We want to keep proving ourselves. I think, um, you know, so so there's a certain amount about you know get out there and, and prove I'm okay going on. Um, and with so much reality TV, you know, now, um, the unreality reality TV, but you know, it's making all these celebrities. And of course, sadly, we see so many of them totally unable to cope in mentally, Mm. um, you know, which is, is, is disaster. And it's a huge tragedy quite apart from anything else. So, so I think it's really dangerous. Definitely, definitely. I mean, yeah, and and that kind of piece about mental health or mental mental fitness is really important. And I know, again, you refer openly in, and it's great that people do share this about your own kind of burnout um, experience. You know, for our listeners, what was that experience like? And but more importantly than that, because you know, what measures have you taken to ensure it wouldn't happen again to you? Well, I think firstly, you know, burnout's a funny thing because it was only recognised, I think, in about 2019. We all think it was, it's been sort of around forever. And it's also misconstrued because it's used by a lot of people as a general um, mental condition, whereas in fact, it's it's technically only to do with work burnout. Hmm. So, so I think there's lots and lots of confusion about it. Um, and I think also genuinely, myself included, suffered from burnout prior to that it, it becoming an official diagnosis yeah, a thing yeah mm. uh, but i think the sort of things that typify it are sort of going slower and slower and the mind going foggier and foggier and feeling unable to make decisions and not sure where you are where you're going uh and until you come to an actual grounding halt literally um you know, and I think the first time I had it, which was very many moons ago, and I was told by the doctors at the time I was depressed. But I lived, I don't think I spoke for about a week, you know. Um, just gone. Just um, got to that point, yeah, physically. Yeah, and Absolutely. Crumbs. And what advice would you give to people to avoid burnout? I think it's really difficult because I think um, the type of people who are prone to burnout she says guiltily, other people who are prone to overworking for a start. I mean, part of it is is a literal physical exhaustion, you know, and I am still guilty occasionally if I'm into flow and I 
you know, want to get this piece done and wanting another and I think, oh, well, you know, it's, I'll go on a bit later, I'll go on a bit later. Oh, well, it's two in the morning, so I might as well stay up because I couldn't. <laughs> no, I really should know better by now. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, so so part of it is, is self-care, it's being a lot more sensible than I still am. Um, yeah. You know, I suppose that, that's true, isn't it? It's, it's, there's two things there. It's self-care, but being self-aware as well, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, definitely. definitely. You know, and, and I guess that's one of the differences. I mean, I can switch off at the weekend at least. I don't, you know, I don't. Mm let myself too much work at the weekend. So even if I have been stupid in the week, I can put my feet up and just go to sleep for the entire weekend. <laughs> just make sure you recharge. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, which I do quite often. Um, but, you know, other people don't have the luxury of doing because of their children or because of their business or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Um, and in terms of, you know, everything that you've learned and the entrepreneurs, business owners that you've now helped, and given the modern world we're in, what do you think the five most important traits are that an entrepreneur needs to be I successful? About this. I, you know, oddly enough, because I, I know that, um, you know, I had a preview of the sort of, sort of questions you tended to ask, and I thought if this one comes up, this is going to be an interesting one. Um, I mean, I think a couple are fairly straightforward. I think um, determination is it's a big one clearly mm. and focus is is enormous because you want to be able to be really clear on where you're going and just as important why you're going there so i think determination and focus are are nice and simple i think you have to be comfortable with risk-taking to a certain degree certainly problem solving you know, being up against it. Some people are happier in their comfort zone, and that's great. But if you get bored in your comfort zone and want those challenges to solve, then it's ideal. Um, so, you know, mm. I think entrepreneurs actually do get bored quite easily. And, you know, and there's that tendency to feel, well, things are going well. That's boring. You know, what now? <laughs> what now? Where's the new shiny yes. thing? Yeah. <laughs> um, which sounds bizarre to anybody else, but you know, I think it's true. I think um, those three I was probably all right on, you know, because I was thinking what were my good points and bad points. And I think the other two probably I was much worse on. I think you need to have good self, uh, self-worth um, yeah. because you are going to be up against it and there will be plenty of people ready to pull you down. And it's very easy to get um into a habit of surrounding yourself by negative people um and eventually you take all that on board and you believe you're no good mm -hmm. and that's real trouble you know so i think um having good enough self-value to to say i matter um and also you know I, it, again it's for sort of obsessiveness you know permanently putting yourself lost oh but you know i can't ask somebody else to stay mm. late i'll work till midnight i'll do it yeah yeah um you know it's not clever you actually yeah. are the most valuable asset for business but i i was terrible for that absolutely awful for that and i think that's yeah. that's really important that you learn that you are a worthwhile asset even if you can't believe you're a fantastic person you are a good asset to that business yeah <laughs> get, it, get it halfway so I think that's probably my next one. Um, and I think that also springing from that, because um, you, you need to, to have that 
self-awareness and, and um, self-value, that openness to development that we were talking mm. about, you know, I think that's, that's really important because you need to evolve alongside that business rather than go, oh, I'm fine. Don't come near me and tell me I'm no good. That's it's really interesting, isn't it? Because I do think those, I agree with you. I think there's some great, all five are great, but I do agree that sense of self-worth but that openness to development, they do go hand in hand together. And I think that probably overcomes one of the negative traits some people have, which is that sense of arrogance yes, and entitlement and, and, you know, that, that overconfidence really. And I, but I think if you combine that sense of self-worth, which is a form of confidence yeah. at the right tone down to the right level, but with an openness to develop, those two do um, go really well together, don't they? Yes, they do. And I'd love to know always, I mean, I'm interested in your opinion, I mean, do you think that arrogance is a cover-up job, uh, almost, you know, a defensive, yeah. you know, um, I'm all right. Don't you dare tell me I'm not all right because I'm wonderful. I think if you talk to most business owners, leaders, entrepreneurs, they will say there were days when they put, you know, yeah. put a costume on and come in to the office come into the business go in front of a customer because that's how they they need to show up you know deep down they might be feeling completely different but you've got to put the suit of armor on occasionally and i think when that is overdone or when you have to do it too often yeah that then you lose the you lose your sense of self and that becomes your persona and that persona becomes can become the arrogance can't yeah. it is how yeah. i would see it very true yeah which is interesting. But you've also, uh, one of the things you've done is written a book, Scale for Success, Jan. I have. Where do you get the time to do all of these things? Um, <laughs> so tell us a bit about the book and what's in the book. The book came about really uh, sort of, uh, you know, looking back after I decided I would retire. Uh, <clears throat> um, and I thought I miss writing because I've been writing articles for various places. So I, I want to write still, and that sort of went on for about 18 months, and then it dawned on me that there was really anything I could possibly write about with any knowledge whatsoever, and that was probably entrepreneurship. Um, but I also thought, I'm not sure, I know enough or have the confidence, probably a bit of both, mm. um, so why don't I look at this question, which in some ways it comes back to your your sort of valley of death you know why do people yeah. get stuck on scaling and then end up miserable and going nowhere and going two steps forward and one step back because i knew it so well myself and you know had friends stuck there as well so so i thought i would go back and have a look at that and speak to people who'd got past it and see if i could put something together mm. that would be helpful for those still going through it and so the book is covers some of the um sort of main topics um you know it, it to do with that but i roped in 30 entrepreneurs from across the globe to to contribute their stories because i thought that was fun um because yeah. i love that other people fascinate me and why they ended up there um probably a bit why you do podcasting i would think absolutely <laughs> Spot on. Uh, so, so, you know, putting that together and, and also seeing where in that development that their speciality had or, you know, their point of learning had arisen from um, that they wanted to talk about and share. So, so that's what it is. And um, it's for people who really enjoy peer learning, I guess, rather than being told yeah. by a guru. 
rather than being taught by an academic or a guru. Yeah. yeah. And is there some, do you see some themes coming out from there about those businesses that have managed to scale? Is there some themes that Yeah, I think there are definitely some themes. I mean, I, I think, um, you know, that for me, it was fascinating. Gosh, where do you start? I think, you know, because there was this strong element which we're seeing of more businesses wanting to give back which mm. didn't probably exist in my day when I started, you know, and there were a couple of really fantastic businesses who were operating to not just to contribute a bit, you know, with 2%, they were actually operating to make a difference to the planet. Yeah. That was their reason for being. And, and I thought that was amazing and just didn't happen 10 years ago um, or, or hardly at all. Um, so I think that's become more important. I think people have become aware of, um, you know, that need to do something worthwhile more mm. than they used to. Uh, you know, they all were, you know, for example, these hugely successful and in some cases terribly well-off people, um, you know, were, were saying it's not the money um, that does it for us, mm. which I thought was interesting. You know, yeah. some agreed it was what it buys you to some extent, which comes back to the freedom again. Yeah. But, you know, it is the ability to construct your own life, I guess. Um, yeah. You know, so I think that's that's huge. Um, and, and I think there was an element of do it for so long and mm -hmm. then get the hell out. Um, yeah. you know, which rang bells with me, goodness knows. Um, yeah, I think it runs bells with a lot of people. A lot of people, uh, is it the shiny thing? Is a lot of people see them? You know, one of the things we talk about is understanding your journey and what does good like look like to you, and that's about, yeah, you know, not just grow it, get the hell out, but grow it, pass it to the next generation, grow it, and derive an income from it but i think you've got to be able to define that at some point in your early part of your journey you're going to have to need to define what good is for you those early days and years are about hard graft aren't they the blood sweat and tears yeah. to get the ball rolling and get a business off the ground while you, you do all of the other things and you create some security after that we all need to define in my opinion what good is and, and what's why are we doing this yeah absolutely. what's the outcome we want yeah and not just plow forward so it probably doesn't surprise me that they probably had that view that you know they knew what they were doing it for was it for a sense of purpose was it for value was it to give something back you know was it about life choice or whatever i suppose that's yeah i think it was very mixed i mean some were undoubtedly doing it for mammoth mammoth success um, you know, but um, but as I say, there was this this sudden percentage, and you know, even since I wrote that, so it's been going two or three years now, um, since I started writing it at least, um, you know, that um, there's there's even far more coming through now of people starting that sort of business, if, even yeah. than than they were then. Gonna end with a couple of sort of quick fire questions. First of which is what's the best piece of advice you've ever received, Jan? I've ever received. Have I ever listened to any advice? I suspect people did tell me, in fact I know they did, and that's don't stay, don't overstay time mm. in the business. And never stay the stay if it's not working for you. Okay. And very last question, um, interested by this, actually, given the conversation we've had. What's your personal definition of success, Jan? I think it can change. 
you know, as you go through life, I think mm. where uh, that's one of the misconceptions, which seems to be the word of the day. But, you know, I think we sort of define it again in terms of financial success and, you know, or, or possessions or succeeding in goals and everything else. You know, and I was chuffed to bits. I still am, but I managed to you know, feed the children and keep a roof over our heads. Yeah. You know, that was my definition of success then. You know, it doesn't do it for me now, curiously enough. They're both married right. and can support themselves and I'm probably a lot more than I ever will. Um, you know, so, um, so yeah, I think it changes. But I think, it, you know, it, it's important to do what makes you happy. Um, and I think that's not rated enough. What a great way to end this conversation. Do what makes you happy. I love that. Um, if people want to learn more about you, Jan, more about and find a copy of the book, where can they go? How can they find out more about Jan? They can go to my website, which is jangavell.co.uk. Um, Bookwise, they can scoot over to Amazon or hopefully to any book, good bookseller where it should be. Should be in stock. Perfect, Jan. Thank you for being a great guest on the Evolve to Succeed podcast. And thank you for having me. It's been great. Thank you for listening to the Evolve to Succeed podcast. My hope with every episode is that you've learned something new or heard something that challenged your way of thinking and further motivated you on your path towards becoming a more knowledgeable, informed and inspired individual and business leader. If you enjoyed this episode, then please help us by rating, reviewing and subscribing. We really value your feedback and would love to have you along for future episodes. And please don't forget to learn more about Evolve by going to evolvemembers.com. Thank you for listening. See you next week.